raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Good morning. It is Friday, April 7th. It is Good Friday. It is six minutes after nine, and you're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Are we all set? Do we have the masters.com pulled up? Are we ready to go? Is everything good? No, I've kind of lost interest in that. Already? That didn't take long. What happened? <laughs> Moronk went merplunk. <laughs> and now what are you going to do all weekend? Well, just like a normal fool, I'll just have to enjoy it for the pleasure of the sport. And knowing that you're not going to win any money. <laughs> Boy, uh, it's amazing, Casey. You bet on a guy that's a 350 to 1 and he doesn't come through. What were the odds of that? <laughs> well, let's talk about what happened with President Biden yesterday. The White House released its review of his fumbled withdrawal from Afghanistan in 21. They dropped the long-awaited 12-page report. Of course, this happened right before the Easter holiday and President Trump. His indictment is still dominating the headlines. But let's talk a little bit about this report. So uh, basically what this report, I mean, this is just uh, unbelievable as a strong word at this point with Biden, because nothing is unbelievable at this point. The amount of lies and deception and deceit, nothing should surprise the American public at this point. But what they did in this report, so keep in mind, Biden had been president, what, eight months? Seven months, I believe. Okay, seven months. By the time the Afghanistan withdrawal happened, you are the president of the United States. You are the commander in chief. That is the primary job of the president of the United States and has been since George Washington is you are the commander of the United States military. And your number one job is to keep the country safe. Is there if there is something going on you don't like? If there's something going on you don't approve of, if there's something that a previous president had done as it relates to the U.S. military, you absolutely have the right to stop course and say, we ain't doing that anymore. Mm -hmm. And despite all of that and a seven-month buildup, Joe Biden and his administration are dumping the blame for the botched Afghanistan withdrawal on Donald Trump. On the guy before him. So the report doesn't appear to acknowledge any of the mistakes that they made. And the GOP chairman for the House Foreign Affairs Committee was blasting the White House for outright dismissing the idea that the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan was chaotic. And as you mentioned, they totally shifted the blame to the other guy. Of course, that's their M.O. with everything. And Michael McCall from Texas, he said that John Kirby's comments during the White House press briefing, which we're going to get to were disgraceful and insulting. He pointed out that President Biden made the decision to withdraw. He even picked the exact date and that he is responsible for the massive failures in planning and execution. Reminder, 13 U.S. troops were killed in that withdrawal. And what it is, again, and we see this all throughout government, which is just a total abandonment of responsibility. Look, you made the mistake. You screwed up for political purposes because you believed it was politically expedient to be the president to say we permanently got out of Afghanistan. You made the decision to withdraw those troops. You made the decision to withdraw them recklessly. And in the aftermath of the immediate beginning of the withdrawal in which things were going sideways, you did not reverse course. And that is why 13 American soldiers 
were killed in Afghanistan. That's on you. Donald Trump had absolutely nothing to do with that. But it is a just a repetitive uh it is a repetitive behavior from politicians in this country in which they try to act as though the system they are not in charge of, they have no control over. Not nearly as important as 13 people dying in Afghanistan, but we are seeing it here right now in this state in which the Republican Party, who writes the tax policy, who writes the way property taxes are collected, are looking at their constituents when they're getting these angry letters going, what the hell's going on? You're the party of low taxes and our taxes are skyrocketing. And they go, well, we'd love to help you, but... Well, that's an assessor issue. Mm -hmm. Taxes are assessed and collected at the local local level. Well, who the hell set the policy that established the assessor? The state government. You guys could fix this tomorrow. Now, not as important as 13 people dying in Afghanistan by any stretch of the imagination. However, it is another example of just time after time after time where governments who are in charge of everything, who set the policies for policies for everything go, well, it was the other guy's fault mm -hmm. somebody else's fault i'd love to help you out but there's just nothing i could do yeah absolutely passing the buck the review does acknowledge that the evacuation of americans and allies from afghanistan should have started sooner but then they go and they blame delays on the last guy trump also the afghan government and their military keep in mind not only were those 13 service members killed but over 100, around 150 Afghans were killed. Plus, we left millions of dollars worth of equipment Billions! There. Billions of I dollars. I wish it was millions. <laughs> yeah. And John Kirby, what, he holds this absolutely shameful press conference, right? It's, it's, it's unbelievable. This, what you're going to hear is maybe the most unbelievable thing we've heard the entire time Biden and his people have been in power, and that is really saying something. But... So you've got people literally, Casey, the mm -hmm. withdrawal was so chaotic yeah. that there were people hopping on moving airplanes. Mm -hmm. That's how much despair those people were in. That's what an inevitable death sentence those Afghanistan people were in. And you've got people literally hopping on moving airplanes to try to get out of that country. And John Kirby goes, yeah, I didn't I didn't see any chaos. And so for all this talk of chaos, I just didn't see it. Not from my perch. At one point during the evacuation, there was an aircraft taking off full of people, Americans and Afghans alike, every 48 minutes. And not one single mission was missed. So I'm sorry. I just won't buy the whole argument of chaos. He doesn't see the chaos. He doesn't see people hanging off of planes. He didn't see the baby being passed up among our military as they're trying to get these people on the flight or the people who are trying to get on the flight. He didn't see the chaos of all the translators that were left behind. Who knows what happened to them if they're still with us. He didn't see the $7 billion in equipment that was left there. It was like he said that I just, I just don't see it. I didn't see the chaos. Like he was losing an intramural White House basketball game. But wait, Casey, there's more. Hmm. He also says... A lot went right. Nobody's saying that everything was perfect, but there was a lot that went right. And a lot of Afghans are now living better lives in this country and other countries around the world because of the sacrifices and the work of so many American government officials. So, yeah, there's a lot to be proud of, Peter. Thirteen Americans mm -hmm. dead. But we all know Biden doesn't give a damn about that because remember the photo of him looking at his watch when the caskets are coming home? This is it just, 
I'm struggling to make sure that I keep my employment at this radio station right now, Casey, because there's so many things I want to say. Those people are some of the bravest, most patriotic amongst us. And for this guy to have the audacity to say, yeah, a lot went right. I didn't see any chaos. They don't give a damn at all about those people who died. Speaking of his watch, how many seconds was it that the Taliban took over? Yeah. After we left? Yeah. Mere minutes. One more clip from this guy. John Kirby is his name. He's a White House spokesperson. Uh, He confirms Biden, too. Very proud of how it all went down. Does the president have any regrets about how this withdrawal was carried out? The president's very proud of the manner in which uh, the men and women of the military, the foreign service, the intelligence community, I went on and on and on, uh, conducted this conducted this uh, withdrawal. But uh, look, I've been around operations my entire life, and there's not a single one uh, that, uh, that ever goes perfectly according to plan. Uh, uh, things happen. Sometimes enemies get a vote, um, and, uh, and you always want to learn from that. He's proud. He is proud that 13 U.S. troops were killed in his execution of the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Let me say that again. Your president is proud of how it went. I, um, man, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's gross. It's totally gross, Casey. People died. 13 Americans, including someone from Indiana, died because of Joe Biden. I mean, a lot more Afghanistan people died because of Joe Biden, but in our, our own military, because of his incompetence, because of his haste, because of his wanting to score political points. And they don't. They're proud. They don't care at all. They are proud. Why would you join the U.S. military? And God bless the people who do. And thank goodness, thank God for the people who do. We can never thank you enough. That's what separates the United States from every other country on earth. But why would you join the U.S. military now that you know your president will leave you for dead? And then after leaving you for dead, blame the other guy who hadn't been in office for seven months. And then we'll send some stooge mouse spokesperson out and go, no chaos. Yeah, really we're pr- proud. We're proud. A lot went right. Yeah. What What a selling point. Come fight for us. Our country will honor you. Give me a break. It's 16 minutes after nine. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Raise a spoon to grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 20 minutes after 9, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and we're going to take a look at what people are talking about this morning. There was a black mother whose son was murdered in New York City, and she unloads on the DA, Alvin Bragg, for ignoring murders while politically prosecuting Donald Trump. Here's what she had to say. They picked up a new slogan, no one is above the law. If no one is above the law then I don't understand how 
Alvin Bragg could dismiss murder and gang assault indictments against two of the people involved in the murder of my son. Because it seems to me that murderers are above the law in New York City. So all of this, no one is above the law, nonsense is just that. Mm. It's nonsense. Also trending this morning, the first teaser for My Adventures with Superman. Don't know if you're a fan of cartoons, don't know if you're a fan of adult cartoons, but this new series will be released this summer on Adult Swim. What was that? Everybody get back! No! No! Superman! Are you okay? I am now. And finally, trending this morning, shout out to Wish TV's Stephanie Mead. Today was her last day as meteorologist on that television station. She's moving to Detroit. It is. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> in Detroit. I, I mean, I want the best for her, but good. Although, it okay, is there was a time where you say, wow, you're going to Detroit. That seems really dangerous. I think Indianapolis is probably more dangerous than Detroit now. By, by many measurable standards, Indianapolis, per capita, mm-hmm. probably a far more dangerous place to live than, than Detroit. Well, isn't our crime rate higher than even Chicago? I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Per capita. Yeah. I don't even think we get to say that anymore. Why would you go to Detroit? Now people say, why would you go to Indianapolis? 22 minutes after nine, it's Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC, and a new poll has been released. This is a CNN poll. And just a third of Americans say that President Biden deserves to be reelected. One in three. Get three people in the room, and only one of them's going to give them a shot. That's the conundrum for the Democrats, is... Nobody likes your guy, but you don't have a bench by which you would say, wow, this person is clearly the heir apparent and is ready to move right into that position. It's like in it's like in, in many empl- in, in places of employment where you would say, well, Fred's not exactly doing the best job. Well, who do we have to replace Fred? Well, nobody. Well, so I guess we'll stay with Fred. Mm-hmm. You see this all the time in sports. They should fire that coach. You know, coach goes uh, five hundred. You know, it doesn't have a terrible season. Doesn't win the doesn't win the Super Bowl. But goes nine and eight. Well, you got to get rid of that guy and replace him with who? Well, somebody else. But with who? With who? Who's the better option out there? They're, the Democrats don't have that, and this comes back to the the onus being on the Republicans to pick a nominee who can get across the finish line, who will not sabotage himself, who will not needlessly alienate women or, you know, moderate voters or whatever. I'm not suggesting that we uh, nominate some squished leftist candidate. I'm not suggesting Jeb Bush or Chris Christie. What I'm saying is you have to pick someone who will not needlessly alienate people because they can't control themselves or keep their mouth shut or behave in an appropriate manner on social media. The, it's going to be, it, it should be, it should be, let me rephrase it, it should be very easy to defeat Joe Biden. But yet, the Republican Party 
cannot seem to get their act together. I don't know if you've noticed it lately, but there's been a bit of a rebranding with the Biden administration. They're now starting to call it the Biden-Harris administration. Why do you think that is? Because she's more unlikable than he is. I I, I don't know, but it is intentional because they're doing it for a reason. Do they not think that he could make it through a second term? That's a great question. And they're trying to brand her along with the administration. But this is a new turn. They're starting to name it the Biden-Harris administration. But she's more unlike, more disliked than he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or they're trying to lump her in with his low ratings and maybe blame her for these low poll numbers. Uh, well, that's, but that's pathetic, though. That would be like, you, you may know this, Casey, we're number one in the money demo. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? I heard that. Yeah. It would be like- Congratulations, we, thank, you, it, thank you. Thank it, you. It's uh, mostly you. But it would be like if we were not number one in the money demo, let's say we were number 14 in the money demo, mm-hmm. it'd be like me going, it's Kevin's fault. <laughs> but it's the Kendall and Casey show. It's freaking Kevin's it's fault. It's all him. Well, that's what we're going to do for sure, Kevin. Just beware. Uh, so this poll was done- before the indictment of Donald Trump, and it says that Biden's approval rating overall is at 42%. So he's underwater, 57% disapproving. He's getting really low marks on immigration, the economy, national security, relationship with China. The only category where he even has a smidgen of approval rating, the environment. (laughs) Of course. How could you be bad at everything? He is. Wouldn't you? He's ac- doing it. Wouldn't you it's like accidentally 35%, be good at something? 37%. Four, 37%. It's, yeah, accidentally in one category, just by chance. Uh, majority of people saying he doesn't have stamina or the sharpness to serve effectively as president. All right, Casey. Uh, when we come back, today uh, we celebrate the most important event in human history. Uh, it was Jesus's crucifixion on the cross and then his um, arising from the tomb uh, two days later. And we hear a lot of people, you know, a lot of people get Good Friday off. You hear a lot of people say, you know, happy Good Friday. Hope you have a, they have no idea what it's about, what it represents. Um, so we're going to have two guys who do. Our good friends, uh, Nathan Peternell and, and Micah Beckwith from Life Church are going to come by. We're going to talk about the meaning of Good Friday, the historical uh, background behind it, what was happening in the world at the time. And we're going to give everybody just a full picture of what Good Friday is actually all about. It's coming up with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Amazing. the most important event in world history and today we're gonna learn about it 93 wibc it is the kendall and casey show i'm rob casey's here casey today is good friday yes happy good friday and you will see people have no idea what that actually means going happy good friday we get the day off work it's good friday and i said let's bring in the experts to explain <laughs> mm-hmm. what good friday actually is and joining us now from life church He's the head honcho. What do we call you? Are you the lead pastor? Is that your title? Yeah. <laughs> He's the head, the head hog at the trough. <laughs> 
Nathan Peter now. Have you ever seen a more enthusiastic response? Yeah. <laughs> That's well, me. if you if you knew the life of a lead pastor, you would maybe understand it's, that. It's, it's you and Ric Flair, baby. <laughs> Ric Flair. Also, uh, our good friend, Pastor Micah Beck with Also of Life Church. Okay, let's also clarify. Yes, indeed, Life Church does advertise on this radio show. Now that that's out of the way, Nathan, Good Friday. It is the most significant event in world history. What is it? Well, it's it's the day that the Romans um, crucified Jesus on the cross. It's the day. It's the greatest battle in the history of the world. It was the day that Jesus won. So everything that um, you know that the enemy, the devil, he wanted to do in terms of defeating God comes down to that moment. Will God sin? Will God succumb? Will will he be able to follow all the way to the cross and 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 be the pure spotless lamb of God come to take away the sins of the world. You know, Mike, it's it's interesting because a lot of people celebrate Easter, right? People go to yeah. church on Easter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like Good Friday gets the respect it deserves in terms of hey, not everybody goes to church on that day. There isn't this big national celebration of it like Easter. Why is that? Well, it's hard. I think it's to watch and remember really what Jesus did on the cross tonight at Life Church at all of our campuses, we're showing the passion of the Christ. And that is probably one of my least favorite movies to watch. Uh, it's one of the most important movies to watch, but I hate seeing what Jesus went through, like the scourging with the cat of nine tails from the Romans. I mean, that thing just ripped his flesh off of him uh, bit by bit. I mean, when the crucifixion was honestly probably one of the least brutal things that happened to Jesus all the way leading up to the cross, if you want to look at it from the perspective of what the Romans did uh, to him in that moment, uh, in that day. But, but it's hard to watch. So that's why I think people just they're like, I, I want to feel good and knowing what Jesus did and and what he did was for me because I have dropped the ball. He had to go through that. That's a really tough pill to swallow. I, I think, too, you're, you're supposed to remember that it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't just the Romans. It wasn't just the bad guys who did this. It was you This was us. Yeah. We did this to him. It was our sin that took him to the cross. And actually, the Bible says that no one... No one really killed him, but he, he he gave his life. And because he had the authority to give his life, he had the, also had the authority to take it up. So without Good Friday, there is no Easter, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's no resurrection of the dead unless he perfectly walks this thing out. And that's why at the end of uh, of his life, as, as he gives up his spirit, he says, it is accomplished. He's saying, mission accomplished. I have done and, and everything a, that needed to be done. I've fulfilled every prophecy. I've fulfilled it all. And, I, and I've given my life. Casey. Oh, yeah. So Easter... <laughs> Mike is like, oh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. also Casey. Somebody else is here. Go ahead, I was Micah. just going to say that the, the it is finished is a legal term. It was a legal term in, in, the, in the Greek uh, society. What he said, it was like, legally, I have... Paid now the debt in full, you have been set free, and that I just wanted to hit on that because mm-hmm. a lot of people kind of glance over that when he said that he was ba- he was making a a basically a, a defense attorney's argument. It's done. It's paid for. Prosecutor, back off now. Yeah. Real, real quick, and I'm also gonna t- hog Casey's mic time just to introduce <laughs> our guests again: Nathan, Peter, Nell, and Micah Beckwith of Life Church. We're talking about Good Friday. Casey, please, the floor is yours. Yes. Yeah, so Easter is the fulfilling of the promise. It's the resurrection, and very significant. However, Good Friday is actually. 
actually the gift. That's the day that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, he purchased us. That's why we call it redemption. Redemption is a is is the word to purchase back. So the old, whole Old Testament is to show you the the sacrificial lamb kind of picture, and that the sacrifice dies, and then we're forgiven of our sins. Well, Jesus, you know, John the Baptist said, "Here comes the Lamb of God, come to take away the sins of the world." So the whole Passover um, uh, concept is the the Passover lamb is slain, the blood is applied to the door. You know, it the picture goes all the way back. It's just totally fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So when you see him up on the cross dying, that's what it took to buy us out of hell. It, and and no human could pay it. Only God could pay it. So God becomes a man, comes down to pay the price himself. And when people say, you know, they, the malevolent things about God, it's like he did everything for us. When we look at society now, and you guys are doing very well at Life Church, no doubt it's because Micah's award-winning smile and <laughs> yeah. Nathan's... Uh, I said know. it's because Rob has started to come. So. <laughs> but, but a lot of churches are not doing well, and we see a full assault on religion, on Christianity in this country in many cases. Why is that? Well... I think because a lot. Well, I'm going to blame preachers. I'm going to. I'm just going to go. So there. it's your fault. Yeah, it's it's the preachers. I think if you have death in the in the pews, it's because there's death in the pulpit. They're not preaching life. The gospel message is the greatest story in the history of the world, and where it's preached and related correctly, I believe that there's a hunger in people's hearts to come. It's when you see that that everybody is confused about what is the truth, and you even watch the preachers. I'm sometimes I put my head in my hands and I am ashamed at the clergy in America because they are not preaching the gospel. They're not relating the scriptures and they're not doing it with any level of authority because they've they've taken up like worldly authority rather than than spiritual authority. Well, and they're afraid to offend. I think a lot of pastors w- want everyone to like them. And- oh, you're the perfect hire then. <laughs> that's, that's right. No, I, I, uh, I, I look at the words of Jesus and Jesus says, hey, just so you know, they hated me first. They're going to hate you. But somehow preachers in America have made it their job to be liked by everyone. And I, I ask any preacher first and foremost, I'm like, how many enemies do you have? How many people hate you that you can list right now to me as we're talking? And if they can't tell me anybody, that means they're not actually preaching the truth of God's word very well, or they're not preaching it at all. Because if they were, the world would hate them. And I think it's sort of a litmus test. Good pastors who bring life, good preachers who bring life, that the world, the devil and his minions are going to hate you. And and, and But for some reason in America, we kind of have this concept like, oh, no, I need to be liked. And it's not our right to change the story. We're, we're not. We're, we belong to the king. The king is the one. He set the story. And we're just ambassadors of the king. God doesn't need a PR department. He doesn't need us to try and soften the story. The scripture is very clear that the cross is offensive. And you have to stare that offense in the face. That's part of the gospel story. I need God. I did this to him. All sin in scripture is against God. Uh, Mike has been waiting for two weeks, Nathan, to get at this. And so I'm going to turn it over to him. We have some people that are very critical, Micah, of your politics, your politics from the pulpit. Uh, You support candidates. You endorse candidates. And we see it in our YouTube chat. And Casey and I chuckle at it. And they'll just put out 501c3. Uh, Can you explain how and why the church is allowed to be involved in politics? And you actually welcome uh, uh, the IRS coming to your doorstep, you said. We would love to have that 
that battle right now because we would absolutely win it the way the court make up and especially the Supreme Court is made up right now. We can speak our mind from the pulpit because of the First Amendment. There is nothing saying in the 501c3 tax exempt status that churches cannot speak their minds, what they believe to be true from the pulpit. The only thing the 501c3 status uh, prohibits is for someone to give a tax deductible donation to a charity and then that charity then gives it to a candidate because when you give money to candidates you can't write it off on your taxes so it'd almost be like money laundering if you're saying hey charity here's here's a hundred thousand dollars i'm going to take the tax deduction but i want you to give that hundred thousand dollars now to this candidate you can't do that so that's the only thing the 501c3 status stops what most churches have been lied to or, or have bought the lie thinking well that means i can't be political first and foremost you have to remember the five one c3 status the johnson amendment was 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 well, brought forth. the amendment the, do you remember the, the johnson the amendment? Sure, that one yeah <laughs> it was it was the johnson amendment that that forced churches to shut up because because johnson at the time uh he was a senator before he was president lyndon johnson he he hated churches because he was a racist guy the church in texas stood up to him and said you are racist god is against racism we're going to stop you he had a chip on his shoulder so he brought forth this amendment while he was a senator and that tried to he tried to silence the voices of the church because he didn't like the truth that they were speaking but but here's here's what every church needs to know is that there is nothing that you, that you need to be be afraid of from the IRS to be able to speak. Who are the godly candidates out there? Who's upholding biblical truth? What are the values and the issues that the Bible talks about within the political environment? Every church not only has the right to do that, they have the duty to do that. And up until about 60 years ago, most churches were having election Sundays. They were preaching on what candidates to support because they aligned with God's word and what candidates not to support because they didn't align with God's word. So every church has a right to, to get involved in politics and they should. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and joining us is Nathan and Micah from Life Church. And Nathan, I'll ask you this question. A lot of people grew up in the church, but then maybe their religion is in a dormant state. What do you say to those people to get them back in the fold? Well, you know, I, I, th- I would say come and see. There's a lot of things that people got turned off to um, you know, because of wounds or hurts or something like that. Um, Jesus didn't do that to you. A human did that to you, right? Jesus has been nothing but good to you. Yeah, there's people that have problems with God, um, and and they need to remember that He's God and they're not, right? Ultimately, they 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 are going to stand before Him. I think what you got to do is say, look, the story is the best story in the world. All the beauty of the world it comes out of the concept of grace. We don't we don't uh, deserve God's favor. God gives it to us, and that's amazing. That's amazing grace. It means um, unmerited favor. It's kind of the, the picture of God getting down on one knee and opening his arms to a, to a child and that child running into his arms, right? That's, that's grace. It's a beautiful picture. Where, where else are you going to go? What else is going to save you? Who else has these words of life? You know, where, what's your alternative? There is no other alternative to get to God except for Jesus Christ. He, he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. You have no other place that you can go. A lot of people go, well, I'll just be good enough. How good can you be? How good can you possibly be if you try to be good? God says, all of your good deeds if trying to reach me, it's of no value. It's like menstrual cloth, he says. Now, there's a pretty picture, right? That's not good enough to get to him. I, and I, so you have to have Jesus do something for you to get you in. You're not the hero of your story. 
Jesus is the hero. Got about 30 seconds left. Micah, what is the takeaway from Good Friday? What should people remember as they go throughout their day today? You can be a prince or a princess in the greatest kingdom that this universe has ever known. Have you ever felt that you have no significance or you have no purpose? There's a God in heaven who says, I'm the king. I want you to come into my family. I want you to be a part of my kingdom, and I want to use you in a powerful way. Nathan Peter now, Micah Beck with Life Church. Thank you, my friends. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Casey, take us out. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Give yourself a pat on the back. You made it to Friday. Congratulations. So the most prominent Trump supporter in Indiana to Me. this day. Me. You're the most prominent Trump supporter well, in the state of Indiana. Well, I'm the only one he called a great dream. Who yeah. else got called a great dream? He did endorse Jim Banks. <laughs> What would you rather have, some meaningless endorsement and race you in by 35 points or to be called terrific and a great dream? <laughs> I'd rather be a great dream. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You're terrific. You win this argument. That's what he said. I really get what's going on in the country. Would you still consider yourself the most prominent Trump supporter in the state? Well, that's why they picked me. I mean, but still, to do the interview. Today. This, that, one, that was years ago. What I'm about the, today? I, I think I'm the most honest person in regards to Donald Trump in the state because I'm not such a homer that I say everything he does is perfect. Now, I know to many Trump loyalists, unless you say, oh my gosh, he's the greatest person who ever lived and ever walked the face of the earth and he's an infallible human and all the stuff he does is never ever his fault, then you're not an actual supporter. I want whoever the Republican nominee is because it's going to be Trump or DeSantis to win. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have the audacity to be honest with people about the things people need to do in order to win. I don't think that makes me not a supporter. I think that makes me an honest broker of what's going on out there. Okay, well, Jim Banks said that Donald Trump remains a very popular figure in the Republican Party in every corner of the country. Most politicians would see the indictment against him as career-ending, but not Donald Trump. He just, he's like the Duracell bunny, right? Just keeps on going. Well, you know, and this is our opportunity to remind everybody about Jim Banks, because it looks like he's going to be unopposed and become a senator. So we'll probably get the same thing we got from Todd Young, because that's what you get when you can't get on the ballot, because the Republicans have rigged the ballot access laws in this state to make it almost impossible, unless you're a congressman, a sitting senator, or super rich like Mike Braun, to get on the ballot to run for Senate or to run for governor, that Jim Banks did indeed vote for Kevin McCarthy 15 times. He is a gigantic Kevin McCarthy super fan. He came on these airwaves and told everyone how great McCarthy was. So you remember that when McCarthy stabs America in the back on the debt ceiling, which is going to happen. Mark my words. And on spending and on the next budget because that's who Kevin McCarthy is at his core. Also remember that Jim Banks uh, did not want to be a U.S. Senator until he failed miserably in a leadership vote in which he had his head flushed down the toilet by Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy. So just remember who Jim Banks really is 
And now you can continue on with the segment. Okay. Well, you know, Trump is using this opportunity, the indictment, to strengthen his status as the front runner. He's gaining in the polls. He's gaining in money. You remember uh, Lindsey Graham right after the indictment came out and was giving this big speech. We, we have to help this man. We have to save him. He needs your money. Donate now. And now Trump, has, is he still is it still at $10 million? Oh, I'm sure it's far beyond that now. He, he keeps getting in small dollar amounts, which is what he did before. He won the presidency in 2016. He's also getting large amounts. Did you see ABC blurred out his text number? You remember he he gave the speech. (laughs) He gave the speech in Florida. And on the podium was the text number to donate to Trump. And ABC blurred it out. Now, isn't that election interference? Absolutely. Isn't that censorship by the mainstream media? That's that's uh, that's hilarious, Casey. Uh, however, in a random, confused, likely accidental act of accountability or honesty, mm-hmm. and this is happening more and more at CNN. I yeah. don't know if it's because of their terrible ratings and they're saying we got to do something. Um, but uh, Be an honest broker I, of the truth I of what's really going on? Don't know what's Imagine going on. Imagine that. Um, Carrie Cordero is this lady's name. She's a legal analyst for CNN. Even she, Casey, CNN, mm-hmm. said the case against Trump is underwhelming. In terms of focusing on the payments that were made, the falsification of the records, and really tied to the payment that was made to Stormy Daniels. Uh, In terms of a case that's being brought against a former president, it's a little underwhelming. Um, there's, There's not more to it. Not more to it. Okay. It's underwhelming. I'll take CNN's word for it. You know, you're mentioning CNN, and we talked about it previously earlier in the show. CNN did that poll, and all told, just 32% say Biden deserves re-election to the presidency, and that's down five points since December. So not only is the indictment helping Trump raise money and help his polls, it's also hurting Biden. So one's going up, the other is going down, and that's definitely happening. Can we, talk about, can we talk about Walmart for a second? Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, Walmart saying that 65% of their stores are going to be serviced by automation in the next three years. So 65% of Walmart stores mm-hmm. are going to be robots. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't think that means every employee is going to be a robot, but I think it means a large amount of people, certainly in the warehouse area of the store are going to be machines. Okay, so Walmart, retail giant, they have a net worth of $388 billion. They made this announcement at their annual investor meeting in Tampa. They didn't say, they're expected to lay off about 2,000 warehouse workers. They didn't mention if this automation will raise that 2,000 to even more. And the automation that they're referring to goes to their warehousing. It's not you're not going to see robots up and down the aisles at your local Walmart wherever you go to see the Walmart yet. Yet. Good point. Yet. About 55% of the packages that it does process through its fulfillment centers are going to be moved through automated facilities and they want this to happen by January of 2026. They say that this is going to improve their cost for the customer by about 20%. Now, let's do some perspective on this, because 2,000 workers sounds like a lot of workers. However, mm-hmm. Walmart has about 1.7 million workers 
in the U.S. and another 60,000 abroad, according to, to a Daily Mail. So it is a relatively small amount, unless, of course, you are one of the 2,000 people impacted by this, then I guess it doesn't really matter how small a percentage it is. Yeah, they say that the automation will affect their overall earnings, making their shares currently at about $5.90 go up to $6.05. So if you're thinking that this is for you, the customer, you'd be mistaking. <laughs> This is for the stakeholders. No, no, Casey, nothing in the modern society is for you, the customer. It is all for the shareholder, and it all is for the bottom line, which if you're a shareholder, and then you care about the bottom line. Mm-hmm. It's really that when you hear that, you go, people always go, well, it's for the big corporations, those greedy shareholders. Well, what do you think your 401k is? <laughs> you're a shareholder. Yeah. 956, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.